Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the shutter of a laddie to my Grant McCann. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. I'm uh, I'm in a, a chirpy mood, which is very irregular for me. I have no idea why. Perhaps it's because of all the sackings we've had over the last few weeks. Nah, I'm only joking. That's, that that's a horrible thing. Yeah, it's that uh, reverse. Um, yeah, that reverse. I don't know feeling you get. I'm a bit of a bit of an angry man, so seeing other people suffer is always good. Nah, it's a horrible thing to say. Uh, <laughs> that's your sick podcasting side coming out. The fact that managers are losing their jobs means you know we've got content for us to exactly. talk about right here, Justin. Um, Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. But Justin is absolutely correct, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, the championship never fails to produce surprises down the road. And we've had it once again with this episode. Of course, Rob Edwards has been sacked by Watford and been replaced by Slaven Bilic. But we also have another impending manager appointment at another club. So we'll start off this show by talking about the different managerial changes in the Championship. It is worth mentioning, a quarter of Championship clubs have now changed their manager. <laughs> We're 10 games into the season, Justin. It's just remarkable, isn't it? It's, it's daft. Um, to some extent, it's, it's really daft. I think... There are quite a few, well, there's a small number of those managers now um, who I'm thinking you were very unfortunate to lose your job. Um, Steve Morrison, one of them, Rob Edwards, another. Um, and yeah, it's just um, it's just bizarre. But yeah, clubs have pulled the trigger. I think they recognise that we've got a big break coming up and they need to be in a very good position um, when that break comes up for the World Cup um, so they can go at it again in the... Um, I guess the second half of the season once that break, once the World Cup finishes, um, there's a lot of games to be played between now and now and that World Cup starting. So they've probably got that in the back of their minds and that's probably why they pulled the trigger. Well, a quarter of championship clubs changed the manager already. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season. So if we carry on that average, Justin, every single manager will have lost their job at some point during the season or every team will have changed the manager at some point this season, which will be quite remarkable, won't it? But we'll talk about the managerial changes in the first half of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Then we'll talk about some of the games coming up in the championship this weekend. And then we'll finish off with the fantastic game that is Diddy or didn't he? But before we get underway, let me tell you, listener, about our friends at Fansbet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to £200. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site, 18 plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit begambleaware.org for more info. And do also check out Fansbet Responsible Gambling Tools. Right, now it's time for this, Justin. Yes, it's time for the news. Feels strange doing this so early in the show, doesn't it, Justin? (laughs) Um, Watford have sacked Rob Edwards after just 10 games in charge. He's been replaced by Slaven Bilic, who signed an 18-month contract. In a statement, club owner Gino Pozzo said, as with all decisions taken by the board, I believe this change to be in the best interests of the club. We felt Rob had enough time to show us the identity of his team. However, performances haven't reflected our hopes and ambitions. Justin Peach, what are you thinking? I'm smiling in disbelief um, every time I, I see or uh, hear that statement. Um, it just, yeah, it's just pure disbelief. The fact that he thinks after 10 games is a fair reflection of 
uh, a new manager's team um, is completely laughable, by the way. Uh, it shows... It shows in some way how um, how far away he is from how football actually works, and which is weird because he's a football owner and he's very experienced in football. Um, but ten games is just not enough time. And then when you consider the fact that those ten games, that ten games is you know has been and gone, Watford haven't been great. But the reason why Watford haven't been great is because the squad isn't good enough. The squad is a very average squad propped up with the star talent of Ismail Assar, João Pedro and potentially um, Aspria as well. It's just not good enough. It's not a good enough squad to compete, I think, for the automatics. It needed surgery similar to what Burnley have had um, and to some extent Norwich in the sense that they, they, they needed to add some really good players into that team and they didn't. Um, and it's just it's just completely um disillusional to, to to suggest that after 10 games rob edwards's team is a, a fair reflection of what it should be it's not it's a joke it's it's unfair on rob edwards it's unfair on the supporters and um yeah it's a yeah as i say it's a complete joke i've got nothing else to say it boils my blood ryan <laughs> and everyone hates it when we see your blood get boiled justin <laughs> I largely agree with everything you've just said. It's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Let's make it very clear. Watford haven't been great in these first 10 games. Results have been all right, but the performances have been lacking. I don't think that's all down to Edwards, though, because there are clear gaps in this squad. The midfield is lacking any form of deep-lying playmaker, so Mm -hmm. they're having to try to break teams down without having the first man there to, you know, start these passing moves. The right-back situation is just mental. They got rid of Kiko Femenia in the summer, replaced him with basically no one apart from the guy from Villarreal, who I can't remember his name because he's just not featured at all yet. Yeah, Gaspar. Um, Defenders, I mean, these defenders have been and done it, but they certainly look, most of them, past their best by this point. So clear gaps in this squad. But the worst thing for me about the sacking is the statement. We felt Rob had enough time. 10 games is never enough by any stretch of the imagination, is it? Also, they've only lost twice so far. I know performances haven't been great, but there can't be too many managers who have been sacked after losing just a fifth of your games. This was a different appointment for Watford. They haven't appointed a young British manager in a long time, and it looked as if they might be willing to move away from the hiring and firing reputation that they have, but I suppose a leopard never changes its spots or... Hornet never changes its stripes in this case. I I can't see Watford being anything more than a yo-yo club, Justin, until Mm. they stop doing this. They had Javi Grazia for just over a year and a half and he got them to an FA Cup final. Since he got sacked in September 2019, they've had eight managers. Eight managers in three years, Justin. How can a manager expect to have... How can they expect to have this long-term improvement if they're just hiring and firing all the time? And I know Watford fans have defended that method in the past, but I just don't see, I just don't see how it's going to work in the long term. Sure, it may get you short-term results in in, in the form of short-term bounces, but Watford aren't—they're just going to carry on doing this for the rest mm-hmm. of time, aren't they? Until something changes. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, until. And I don't even know what the solution is because they've got a CEO, they've got a technical or sporting director, they've got a model that a lot of football clubs 
will look at and go probably the right model in the sense behind the scenes not necessarily the hiring and firing um and the recruitment strategy in previous years has been good but if you look at the quality of players they brought in over the past i don't know uh two seasons two and a half two seasons it's not been good enough and that's why they've been an incredibly poor slash average team um they were they i wouldn't say they were fortunate under um Hisco. Um, I wouldn't say they were fortunate under him, um, but he delivered, he over delivered, I think, with the squad that he had. He overachieved with the squad that he had. And then it caught up with him in the Premier League and then it slowly filtered down into this season. Um, so, yeah, they're never going to become a club that is um, sustainable, that is, or self sustaining, I should say, um, and that is consistent because they just, <laughs> they can't settle. If you think if you think back to when the Pozzos first came in, Sean Dyche was manager, good young British manager, sacked, um, and you think, okay, fair enough, right? You've coming in, putting your own authority on it, and then since then it's just been a complete whirlwind. If you look at the season they went under, went up under Jukanovic, had three managers in the space of um, the first three months of the season. Um, it's always been laughable, but I think everyone's put up with it because there's been some form of success. But now. It's going to catch up with them. It's catching up with them. FFP is catching up with them as well because of the Kamari deal. It's as simple as that. They're a club that could well be on a downward spiral if they don't sort sort it out. And thought Rob Edwards is that solution, and it wasn't. Justin, just quickly, what do you think is next for Rob Edwards as a manager? There are some good jobs available. Um, I would step straight into a job. I'd look at Cardiff and I'd go, that's almost a perfect fit because he's got the personnel to go in and thrive. He's got the personnel that he needed at Watford to go in and thrive. Um, but yeah, I would step in, um, step into a job straight away. Um, Rob Edwards deserves a chance at a championship club. He did okay at Watford, um, but he's certainly got more to give. So I would say go and, self, go and put yourself in the frame for a championship club. Yeah, I'm confident he'll get another job at this level. I was a bit sceptical about the appointment, mainly because of how his time at Forest Green ended, where they started to fade away, but still managed to get promoted in the end. But I don't think anyone will point fingers at him for losing his job here. Watford do what Watford do. I suppose he knew what he was signing up for when he went there. So that's why I think it was a bit of a strange career move for him. Because if things weren't going well, they were always likely to pull the trigger, even though you thought maybe they had changed their ways a bit. But for him, every time I've heard him speak in the press, he comes across very well as an intelligent bloke who's keen to have a good career in management. So I have no doubt he'll get another job at this level and probably show Watford what they were missing out on. Um, He's also a very handsome man, which I think goes a long way. (laughs) Um, So Slavin Bilic is the new man. At Vicarage Road, Justin, how do you think he'll do? I think he's going to run into the same problems that Edwards ran into. Um, because uh, Bilic almost likes a possession style of play. Um, in some sense, it could be a bit like Ivic, where it could be quite bland. Um, but he's going to run into some similar issues that Rob Edwards ran into. And I think he's going to have the same teething problems that Edwards has had. Uh, I think it's a higher that... Um, just has no foresight at all. I think it's literally, I think it, I think they've literally just got a dartboard of managers who have had experience in the Premier League and other European clubs, and literally just thrown a dart and gone, okay, it's Bilic's turn this time. That is that is the only foresight I can see. That is the only intelligent 
way of describing how Watford hire um, their managers because it's literally there is no it feels like there's no research that goes into it at all if you look at Ranieri and Hodgson for example <laughs> why why yes they're experienced but they've been washed up for a while and Bilic I think falls into that category had a really good spell at West Brom but they faded away quickly um, and I just can't see him getting this Watford team ticking quickly he's got 10 games to do it between now and that World Cup break I can't see Watford getting on a run a really good run I just can't see it unfortunately I think you're being a bit harsh to Slaven Bilic I, I will say first of all it feels strange that this is his first time at Watford it feels like he's had at least two <laughs> yeah. goes there already <laughs> I don't know why I can't explain it but it just does but I, I like Slaven Bilic as a manager and I, I wouldn't say he's washed up Justin I think that's extremely harsh the West Brom team that got promoted three seasons ago was great entertainment but also got results. Matthias Pereira, Grady Dean Garner were the two stars of that team. And I can definitely see parallels between them and João Pedro and Ishmael Assar, who are obviously going to be key to any success that Bilic has. The issues for me are tactically. He quite religiously played a 4-2-3-1 with that team, which I think will definitely suit Saar better because he'll be on the wing, which is where he plays his best football. I'm not sure Watford's wing-backs will suit that, but I could be wrong. I also think with that West Brom team, he had Romain Sawyers as part of the two, exactly. who was the playmaker. There isn't a playmaker who can sit deep with this Watford team, and I think they may struggle with that, and that's where I kind of agree with you to an extent that he may run into the same issues that Edwards has had. The ultimate aim here, though, is for Watford to get promoted at the first time of asking that's what the owners want. And I think Billich gives them a good chance of doing that. Will he last for the entire duration of his 18-month contract? I'd say he's got absolutely no chance. Because even if he did get Watford promoted to the Premier League, then I think as soon as results start going against Watford, which I think they would do if they're in the Prem, he would instantly be out the door and we'd just see Watford back in the Championship again in the uh, not-too-distant future. So... While I think this may solve Watford's short-term problems, I think the long-term issues will still exist. And that goes back to what we were saying before about Watford's hiring, firing method. They had a chance to change it with Edwards, and it's not happening. Um, Justin, let's go to Huddersfield, where Mark Fotheringham is set to be the new manager. The ex-Norwich midfielder has been assistant coach at Hertha Berlin. It comes after the sacking of Danny Schofield. Justin, I think this is a big risk. I think it's a big risk as well. He's had an interesting coaching career. He had an interesting career. The fact that he was at Fulham um, in as recently as 2014, I think, is yeah, is, is quite interesting given that his, his career started to fade sort of in the late 2000s. Um, but yeah, his coaching career has been interesting. Um, he uh, found himself at Ingolstadt, I think, um, and obviously found himself at Hertha Berlin with Felix Magat, which raises some alarm bells, <laughs> just to say the least. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, it's hard to judge him as a coach until he gets going. He could be, he could be very good, but at the end of the day, his coaching career isn't necessarily decorated or overly inspiring. A couple of promotions, um, albeit from the, I can't, I don't even know how to pronounce it, the third league in in, in Germany, the third Bundesliga. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a big risk when there are perhaps um, better options, and I think this could be. Um, uh, yeah, 
maybe the last throw of the dice for Lee Bromby. If he gets this wrong, then surely he's got to he's got to walk out of Huddersfield. I suppose appointing an assistant from the Bundesliga worked before with David Wagner for them, didn't it? Yeah. But I'm not sure this is the time to be taking a gamble because Huddersfield, for me, are in serious, serious danger of going down to League One. They have looked woeful so far. And I don't think that's entirely down to Danny Schofield. I think this squad is really, really lacking in multiple areas. So that's why getting in a manager who's never managed before... Um, as a head coach um, in Mark Fotheringham, that's why this is a massive, massive risk for them. I, you can't really judge how good a manager he is because we haven't seen a manager and we don't know what his tactics will be. From If we're judging it on the way Hertha Berlin play, they play kind of a similar style to what David Wagner um, used when he was at Huddersfield. So there's definitely parallels there, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a success every single time. So... Mm. He might end up being a good manager, but at the same time, it could go horribly, horribly wrong. And I'm more inclined to say it may go horribly, horribly wrong <laughs> as opposed to going well at the moment, just because of how poor they've looked in yeah. the way the squad is looking. Also, a shout out to Matt from the Huddersfield podcast, and he takes that chance who texts me to say Fotheringham's nickname should be Jürgen Jock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which... <laughs> I, uh, I massively enjoyed and I'm glad Justin Peach did as well um, there we go ladies and gentlemen manager changes here in the championship never fails to amaze us and after the break we'll talk about some of the games coming up in the championship this coming week Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We're going to look ahead to some of the games coming up in the Championship this weekend. And we'll begin with Slavin Bilic's first game in charge of Watford. They're away to Stoke at midday on Sunday. An interesting contest, even without the context around it, Justin. Alex Neil still finding his feet in the potteries. Well, Watford obviously with the new manager now, but prior to that, were seriously, seriously struggling, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, you've got two under two underachieving sides here that need to need to ignite this season. Um, and could this be the game that does it? I don't think it it could be, but at the same time, I, I reckon Alex Neal's licking his lips at the thought of going up against a Watford team who I wouldn't say have been in disarray over this week. But Billish has only had a few days to um, to get his ideas across to the team. And, and to be fair, the Watford team's probably used to the quick turnover in, in managers, so they can adapt quite quickly. Um, but at the same time, you're going from one manager's ideas to another can get quite um, quite confusing. I think the way Edwards left as well, I think, may have an impact on the squad. So I think that may swing the game in Stoke's favour. As I say, the two underachieving sides, but Alex Neal sets his teams up very well. He will know exactly where the weaknesses are. Um, I think the only thing that will leave him guessing is 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 what starting eleven. Billich puts out and what formation he puts out will he cons- um, persist with the three at the back that Watford have seemingly persisted with over the last sort of 10 years um, or will he switch up to his much fabled 4-2-3-1 I think that's the only thing that Alex Neal will be um, humming and ahhing over yeah well it's going to be quite interesting to see what formation they go with because if they do revert to the 4-2-3-1 that Billich was synonymous with at West Brom you're asking essentially every single player 
at Watford to change how they've been playing so far, haven't they? Because mm-hmm. they've been playing, what, a 3-4-1-2? So every single yeah. player is having to adjust there, aren't they? Apart from, arguably, the two midfielders. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what Billich goes with. But I think the only thing Watford can rely on here is the fabled new manager bounce and uh, whether that gets them a result <laughs> here. Um but I think this is really hard to call just because we have no idea what's going to come out of this Watford side. So, Justin, can I get a score prediction from you, please? This Stoke team's got legs and I think that's going to play a big part in this um, in this game against Watford. Uh, so, if you'd have asked me at the weekend, I'd have said a 0-0. But I'm actually going to go over Stoke 2-0 win now. I'll go for 1-0 just because I have very little insight into this game at all because who knows how it's going to go because Stoke have been fairly unpredictable and Alex Neil so far and we have absolutely no idea what to expect under Slavin Bilic's Watford. On Friday night it's Hull v Luton now unless something incredible happens in the coming hours it looks as if Shotter of Aladzi will still be in charge of Hull for this game which I'm genuinely shocked about Justin. <laughs> yeah it, I guess it is a surprise but I think You've got to give Arvaladze some benefit of doubt because of the amount of surgery um, that this whole tide of or whole squad has had over the summer. Um, they've obviously made a hell of a lot of changes, brought in a hell of a lot of players, and it takes time for the, to get them to gel. Um, and I think if you consider that Hull's home record has actually been fairly decent, that may that may just have won him a little bit more time. Um, but again, if if he loses this game pressure's going to be on him they are in a bit of a funk call they've lost four in the bounce and they've conceded 11 in that time and they concede a lot of chances and Luton create a lot of chances so this might not be that game where Arvaladzi uh, relieves the pressure a little bit yeah I think if you said to me there'd be is it two managers who have lost their jobs in this international break maybe even more um, <laughs> losing tracks they're all just happening yeah. at once um, then I'd have been surprised that Arvaladzi was still one of those who was doing the job um, I think it's amazing that he's still there just because Hull have looked absolutely abysmal recently. The goals, the defence is just a mess, an absolute mess. And it's going to be even stranger if they lose here and then they sack Arvaladze because surely the international break would have been the opportune time to, to do it. So, yeah, I, I think... If I was in the Hull owner's shoes, I would have definitely changed manager at this point. I don't endorse managers losing their job, but when it's a results-based business and Hull have just been on much of a downward slope as they have been, it's not even a downward slope at this point, they're just dropping like a stone, aren't they? Then I would have definitely think, thought it was a chain, time for a change in manager, also because they have invested so much money into this new raft of players who have come in. So, yeah, I'm definitely amazed that he is still here. But after a slow start, Luton have just started to get going with one loss in their last six games, Justin. I think they'll fancy their chances of getting three points here, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. As I say, they, they create a lot of chances and Hall concede a lot of chances. And so by the by the order of averages, um, Luton should pick up a win here. But I don't think things are that simple. They've had games where Luton have absolutely dominated. You go back to that Wigan game at Kenilworth Road where... Ben Amos was a busy boy, um, and and Wigan Wigan won it in the last uh, in the last minute without with that Asgard strike, um, and Hull have done that to teams this season. Did it to Norwich. They they rode their luck, um, <laughs> bided the time, and obviously picked up a picked up a, a win against him. So I don't think it's as as home and host to that. But I think logically speaking, the amount of chances Luton create, 
um, I think this one is is one game that um, yeah they they will they will get three points from. But at the same time, and actually Luton's away record is, is has been pretty decent as well this season. So I think you've got to factor factor that in. And obviously Colton Morris is banging form at the minute, which I think Hull will be quite uh, quite wary of. Well, I think he's the key man really, just because of Luton's problems before was putting away chances, and now they've got a striker who's banging form and. Carter Morris will be looking at this Hull defence and be absolutely foaming at the mouth at the thought of how many goals he could get here because he's <laughs> a man banging form, arguably the most informed striker in the division right now. And he's coming up against a Hull defence, which have conceded by far the most goals in the division and seemingly are getting worse at the back. So, yeah, I think Carter Morris scoring this weekend is a sound, <laughs> sound bet indeed. Um, and that's why I struggle to see anything other than a Luton win here Justin can I get a score prediction from you yeah straight after the international break as well isn't it so it's always it's always a bit um, yeah always a bit back and forth but not too much quality so I'm going to go low scoring 1-0 win for Luton I'll go for a 3-0 win to Luton um, Cardiff <laughs> Justin they've been awful recently. <laughs> I am not holding back at all here um, Cardiff have got their first game since sacking Steve Morrison they're at home to Burnley unless there's an appointment between now and Saturday which I don't think is going to happen at all Mark Hudson will be taking charge of the team and Cardiff are reportedly happy to let him audition for the role thoughts on that one Justin? I don't see much point in sacking Morrison if you're just going to give someone who has even less experience in the dugout the, the role um, temporarily. Basically doing what they did last season with Steve Morrison, taking a risk um, and yeah, and, and going with it. And Mark Hudson um, doesn't strike me as a manager who will pay, play that progressive style of football that Morrison started to deploy. Um, so for me, I just, I just don't see much point. There aren't too many, it feels like there aren't too many football people at Cardiff Um and by that, I mean, I hate that term as well, football people, but they, they make decisions, I think, like this one, without having a plan, without having a plan of action, um, which is just, um, it is quite frightening, to be honest with you. And by the sounds of it, Steve Morrison did most of the recruitment in the summer as well, um, which which speaks volumes of the, yeah, behind the scenes issues, I think, that, that Cardiff have without really displaying too much of it. So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it, um, but... Got, got to give Hudson the chance and if he does well then he deserves a role yeah I think he's been left in a bit of a strange position hasn't he because <laughs> I, I th- he was a great player wasn't he he was a fantastic mm. leader on the pitch he's well liked at Cardiff so he ticks a lot of boxes in that sense um, I do kind of see what you mean even though I wasn't the biggest Steve Morrison fan giving the job to a manager who also doesn't have much experience doesn't seem to make much sense to me but I think that says a lot about Cardiff's financial position that they're struggling to go out there and offer you know big contracts to other managers um, and also you know provide compensation to the teams who they're taking them away from so yeah Cardiff are in a bit of a unfortunate position really and I think that's why they may continue to struggle even at, despite the sacking of Steve Morrison really but it's a tough first game for Mr Hudson isn't it that's a he used to be a singer, didn't he, Mr. Hudson? Um, <laughs> it, it's a tough first game from them, isn't it? Burnley are in fine form, just one loss this season, and have really started to tick over, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. And it feels like Burnley have got a, a team that is forever young. Um, hey, I like that, <laughs> Mr. Hudson reference for anyone who isn't aware. <laughs> He, he, he's not he's not really a famous enough singer, is he? No, for no. that reference to land with just about everyone. But carry on, Justin. 
sorry, now I feel like punching myself in the groin after making that reference. That was horrible. Um, <laughs> where was I? Burnley. I can't Can even Mark remember. Hudson be Cardiff Supernova? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know any other Mr. Hudson songs. No, that's it. That's a lot. Um, no, seriously, I, I, where were we? Cardiff uh, under Mark Hudson. Burnley, Burnley are very good. Test. Burnley are very good under Vincent Company. Yes. <laughs> Lost it. Um, yeah, I think this is uh, a really tough test, as we as we said. Um, with, with Burnley in a really good shape at the minute, I've completely lost focus, Ryan. <laughs> do you want to just do a score prediction? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 1-0 one nil, one nil Burnley. <laughs> yeah, I'll go for a Burnley win as well. I'll go 2-0. And the final game we'll look at, just now, I need you to get together here. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, the final game we'll look at is Rotherham v Wigan. Now, this game would, of course, have been a blockbuster in League One last season. It's different now, though, with no... Paul Warren around at Rotherham, which is going to be quite strange, isn't it? Because we've just known Paul Warren and Rotherham to be bound together for a number of years now. But the thing is as well, this is actually a massive, massive game for Rotherham's hopes of staying up, isn't it? Because Wigan at home, a team you've come up with, you'd be looking to get three points here, but the club's in turmoil now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they will be looking at this game and thinking, because they've come up with them, they've, they need to get a result against them. Um, and... With with Rotherham in their current state, it's, it's hard to see that happen happening. And I don't think they're in turmoil as such. It seems like they've got some sort of plan. They've started interviewing for the role, which is a massive positive. Um, Richard Wood and Lee Peltier, which is completely wild thought of those two taking charge of this game. But they are taking charge of the game and I absolutely love it. Um, I think they're going to do more of the same of what Paul Warren's been doing. I mean, Richard Wood's been under Paul Warren for the last six years, for so the whole duration of Warren's. Um, tenure at Rotherham so I think he's got a fairly similar I'd hope he'd have a fairly similar idea as to um, as to how he wants his team to play and Lee Pelty has followed Neil Warnock around for a long time as well which that's a beautiful mix a bit of Paul Warren and a bit of Neil Warnock come on that would this, be this got... one hell of a love child <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's going again <laughs> the only thing I would say about this is uh, Richard Wood hit the gritty as the kids say um, when celebrating the goal not too long ago and now he's in charge of the first team so um, I'm not sure I want my manager hitting the gritty um, is my only input on this game um, can I get a score prediction from you Justin? Yeah I think just with Rotherham's position at the moment and Wigan um, although they did the last game they had um, they were really poor against Reading that may seep into it but I think Wigan may edge it just 1-0 um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rotherham win and yeah, Peltier would hit the greedy on the sidelines. <laughs> please, please let that happen. Uh, I'll go for a 1-0 Wigan win just because Wigan are just going to carry on doing what they've been doing, which is be very, very solid. Whereas Rotherham, you know, a bit of upheaval after the past mm-hmm. week and a bit. Um, but at the same time, could still get a result. So that, I don't have much else to say on the, on the contest, to be honest, Justin. Right now it's time for this. Did he? Yes, sir. You mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? Yes, it's time for Did He or Didn't He? This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they've played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We take it in turns to guess them and we keep scores as the season goes on this week. It's Justin's turn to guess with the scores tied at 27-27. Justin, would you like the first player and club? Yes, yes. Please throw it my way. Paul Dickoff and Leeds. Diddy or Dinty? 
he did. He had a spell on loan, I believe. You're absolutely correct. Four appearances in 2010. Solid start. That's one out of one for you, Justin. Uh, next up is Jay Bothroyd and Blackburn. Did he or didn't he? Yes, I think he did. Loan spell while they were in the Premier League in like 2004. May have been on loan from Perugia. I don't know if it was Perugia though. You are correct. I don't know if it was on loan from Perugia, but he was um, on loan in 2004 where he made 11 appearances. I'm amazed that Jay Bothroyd's career stretched all the way back to 2004. Um, but here we are. Uh, that's two out of two. Next up, Marlon King and Cardiff. Did he or didn't he? See, Marlon King played pretty much everywhere. And I can't seem to get past his Birmingham days. Uh, Watford. I can't remember. He was at Forest as well. I don't think he played for Cardiff. You're correct. I made it up. So that's three out of three for Justin Peach. He's had a flying start straight out the box. Um, blocks, I should say. Sonny Aluko, Blackpool, Diddy or Dinty? That's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because I, I'm a, I can't even I can't even tell you who Aluko played for at academy level. It may have been Arsenal, but I just can't seem to like his career starts at uh, not well. It starts at Rangers, then Hull. But I don't think he played for Blackpool. One appearance on loan in 2008. Okay. Um, just having a look at his career. He started off at Birmingham. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Never knew that. Um, so that means you've got three out of four, Justin. Next up is Callum Robinson and Bristol City. Did he or didn't he? Callum Robinson, Bristol City. Now, if he, if he did, this would be when Bristol City were... Maybe a League One team or just coming th through into the Championship after Steve Cottrell got promoted. Um, and he came through at Villa, so I reckon I reckon he did. Six appearances on loan in 2006. Four out of five for Justin Peach. I think he would have definitely taken this at the Ooh. start of the game. Next up is Danny Simpson and Norwich City. Did he or didn't he? So Danny Simpson... If, we, if he'd have played for Norwich, he'd have bragged about it by now. And Norwich doesn't seem like the sort of club who will have a character like Danny Simpson, who is very self-centred. Does, that Does he sense? brag about things? Yeah, all the time. It's, he, he lives off his Premier League winners medal. And fair enough, he deserved it. But come on, there's, there's, there's more to life than just constant bragging about your very average career. This is news to me. I, I didn't know he was <laughs> as much of a braggadocious man as he as you're portraying him Justin but here we are um, can I get a diddy or dinty from you please I think he didn't can only seem to picture him at QPR in Leicester you're correct he didn't uh, next up is Tommy Spur and Rotherham diddy or didn't he you have got five out of six <sighs> right so this is the the Yorkshire paradox where you can name one of several clubs, whether that be Barnsley, Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday. And you automatically think someone like Tommy Spur, who played a lot of his career in Yorkshire, has at least played for one of those clubs. Who was the club again? Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> he had a spell, he had a long spell at Doncaster and he came through at Sheffield Wednesday, but I don't think he played for Rotherham. 
You're absolutely correct. I completely made it up. That means you have six out of seven, Justin. Uh, Patrick Ajimang and Ipswich Town. Diddy or Dinty? Ajimang. He's a player that I think was vastly underrated in his career. But I I can picture him at Ipswich on loan in like 2011. Paul Jewell signing him for a lot of money. Or big loan fee, I should say. He didn't. He played for a, a few blue teams, but Ipswich Town wasn't one of them. Um, that means you have got six out of eight, Justin. Your second to last one, Jermaine Pennant and Wolves. Diddy or Dinty? Jermaine Pennant, Wolves. I reckon I reckon he, he has. Uh, he had a loan spell there at Wolves, and I think I brought him up a couple of weeks ago, so I'm quite fresh on his Wikipedia page. So I reckon he had a loan spell in like 2012. Oh, you've done your revision. Yeah, 15 appearances on them in 2012. Just have to, if you were revising for this show, it'd just be constantly scouring random <laughs> championship Wikipedia. players' Wikipedia pages. Uh, final one, Justin. You have got do, 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 seven out of nine. Your final one to make it eight is Danny Graham and Blackpool. Diddy or Dinty? See, Danny Graham's career post Watford is very straightforward. Pre-Watford is horrendous because Middlesbrough loaned him out everywhere. Um, so I reckon one of the clubs... I forgot the club he said again. What's the club he Blackpool. said again? Blackpool. <laughs> it's the Blackpool-Blackburn thing. Um, I, reckon he had a, yeah, I reckon he had a loan spell at Blackpool. Four appearances on loan in 2006. You're spot on. Justin Peters got eight points this week, ladies and gentlemen. That takes him up to 35-27. The scores as things stand. I've got to pull something out the bag next week. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. That was Diddy or Dinty. And we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday when we'll review all the games from the Championship this coming weekend. Certainly going to be very interesting considering plenty of teams have new managers now. And uh, that wasn't the case prior to the uh, international break, was it? And I'm still surprised Shatter Avalanti is one of those managers. But here we are. Um, and we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday, as always, with the show. Thank you for listening. And if you could leave us a review and a rating on whichever platform you're listening to us on, that would go down very well with us. We massively appreciate it and helps us go a long way to getting new listeners to the podcast. So if you could take five seconds of your time to just do that, uh, we'd be very, very grateful. But this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. I've been Brian Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.